All right. We are back with another shot of Spectre Radio. So for all you freaks and freakettes and boiled and ghouls, this is going to be an interesting show because we have an actor, a founder, and an investigator. And we're going to be talking about a lot of things. And just to kind of give you an idea of what it is about, um, we are streaming on the platform of this particular uh, host, I uh, guess that we were talking with, uh, Parapost Network. So if you get the chance, go to the Facebook page and check out all the podcasts and there you find a, a event and other investigators. It's a great place to network. And they also have an app. You can get this app at the App Store or Google Play. It is available on both iOS and Android. So again, Parapost Network Central, check them out. It's free. Sign up. Start networking today. Uh, if you want to show them a little a little support for Spectre Radio, I do have merch available. Uh, the description for that is down below. I try to add new designs. I got a couple more I will be adding in the next day or two. And, uh, yeah, I think we'll just go ahead and jump into the show. And this guy, you had to have seen him. You've heard us crack jokes with him. You've seen us make him turn red. And uh, we'll see what happens tonight. So, ladies and gentlemen... Mr. Wiggle, Brian Laverty himself. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. I was wondering if you were going to make a comment like that, but that's okay. Especially oh, the no, conversation. My show, why wouldn't I? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Especially the conversation the other night. So it's all good. Yeah. Never heard of him. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, before we go any further, I do kind of want to make a, a shout out for some of our guests. Um, Donna Stassi Partlow from Echoes in the Wind. Thank you for stopping by. Uh, if you have had the chance to check out her podcast, uh, she got some very interesting guests on hers, and she worked with Kimmy Corp. Uh, we also have Matt Barron, the paranormal consultant and paraverse. Uh, Facebook user, I apologize for uh, misidentifying you. Uh, if you can add your name in the comment below, this way I can at least try to identify you correctly. Um, so we have hi all. We also have, uh, we got quite a few just, uh, between Matt and Donna and Facebook user. So when we get, when we start the uh, conversation, one of the things I do want to make very clear, uh, to all of our listeners is that you can check out all of his links in the description below. I've got Huntophobia, I've got Parapo, and I even have Global Ghost Hunt, which we will talk about all three in the show. Um, and the reason why I wanted to get Brian on the show is I do want to try to help him get Parapo's network out there. Uh, this could really be a game changer for the field where we can all come together and network and uh, you know collaborate, uh, not just as teams, but also some of the places we investigate try to help them out as well. Hmm. So my first question to you, Brian, and I'm pretty sure people have asked you this, but I'd like to know myself. Um, you are an actor. What, what made you decide to uh, get involved with the paranormal when you already started your career with acting? Um, well, I thought, you know, I've always had a passion for uh, the paranormal ever since I was nine. Uh, I guess when I was nine years old, that's when I first started seeing spirits. Uh, so, uh, I know people classify me as a sensitive. I don't know if I, that's necessarily what I am, 
but I go with that. Uh, so I started seeing spirits when I was uh, nine years old, 10 years old. And, but I really had my very first experience with a, a spirit touching me when I was about 15 years old. Um, okay. I've told this story a few times, but uh, I had a friend, uh, his grandmother passed away. Um, so about three weeks after she passed away, I went down to his place just, just to see how he was doing. And uh, we went downstairs to the bedroom and, and uh, we were talking. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of us talking, a what felt like to be a hand touched my wrist. Okay. And then I felt what um, I felt a, like what was a head leaning on my shoulder. And it lasted oh. for about 30 seconds. And then it was gone. Uh, so, um, yeah. And during those 30 seconds, I actually told my buddy I was being, it felt like I was being touched and he thought I was crazy. And, uh, I, and I looked to my right and there's an actual indent in the bed, like something was sitting beside me. Now, the oh. interesting thing about that is when, uh, you know, we always hear stories about people getting touched and mm -hmm. most of the time it's a cold feeling. Uh, when somebody gets touched, this was a very warm and loving feeling. And what's right. strange about all of it, and it kind of made sense after the 30 seconds was done. Um, it grandmother used to do that to me when she was alive. So she used to um, put her hand on my, on my wrist and lean her head against my shoulder. And so it was almost like, it was almost like it was her saying goodbye. And so, like I said, it lasted for about 30 seconds and then uh, it was gone. It never happened again. So really, that was the real start of my journey uh, in the paranormal. Now, back in those days, uh, there wasn't a lot of information on the paranormal. Uh, there might have right. been two books in the library. And back in the, you know, those days, the early 80s, it wasn't really talked about either. Uh, and if you did talk about it, you were consider crazy and right. so it, it's, that's something that's something i hid for a very very long time that i could see spirit and uh, i never really told anybody but it was about 10 years ago when i got uh got back involved i guess sort of speak i guess um i started going out with a local team a local local investigators and that's when it really um really started for me um uh, then during COVID, that's when I really started up hauntophobia. Now, when you start when you started thinking about uh, doing investigation, did you like really look into you know technique equipment, or did you just kind of jump in and figure you know I'll learn as I go? No, um, the team that the teams that I was going out with, they they generally used a lot of equipment. Now, I will say 10 years ago, there wasn't a lot of equipment. Um, right. Uh, so mainly it was camera, recorder, paper and pen, a uh, few things here and there. But um, I, I guess that's where my I guess that's where my basic investigation come up, because I'm pretty simple on investigations. I don't like to use a lot of equipment. So I generally, I generally like using the recorder, the camera, uh, the, the SB7, as you know. I, every so often I'll use the K2, but not too often. 
because I think the K2 can be easily manipulated, sorry. And, yeah. um, you know, especially if you have your phone around, it can go off pretty easily. Oh, yeah. So uh, I I tend to stick with the basics, and that's kind of what I learned. So um, that's why I don't think I've ever gotten into the SLS or, you know, I every so often I might use some kind of REM pod. Um, I had one that was made that was sent to me. So I use that every so often, but other than that, I'm pretty basic. And I think that's, uh, I think that's probably the reasons is because that's what it was when I first started. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I remember the first time I started investigating myself and you know, I just had a flashlight, the camera on my phone and a K2 yeah. and an audio recorder. And, you know, Tom and I, we got a lot of interesting hits, but once I got my friend Neil involved, who he's a little bit more uh, tech savvy when it comes to electronic, and he started to point out that some of the places we had that we had gone to, there were certain power, uh, like transformers nearby or power lines nearby. Um, and it wasn't until then that I started looking myself at what was nearby when the K2 would go mm -hmm. off. Microwave, uh, air purifiers, even sometimes when those uh, uh, the pump kicks on. Yeah, yeah, I know, agree. Little things like that. Yeah, I agree. And you know, I was uh, I was investigating a canal, and uh, this is when we when we really had some really fantastic uh, responses. There was really nothing around uh, this canal, and we were actually doing um, a K two se session. I thought it would be a really good idea because I was kind of carrying it around and it was going off quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I put it down on the rock and we started asking questions and it was going off like a Christmas tree and there was really nothing around for it to go off. Like right. I, uh, during this particular investigation, we didn't have our phones because we weren't doing a live. We were actually filming, uh, filming with, I was filming with my, uh, with my Canon. So there was no way it was going to be set off. In, right. in that particular moment but uh the k2 was going like crazy and you know it's interesting because i was thinking about this the other day and i actually saw the clip of it um i watched the clip of it and we asked a particular question that i think a lot of investigators ask are you are you able to go back and forth like well i think we always wonder if uh, spirits are able to go back and forth or do they just stay in one spot right well i asked this question and it lit up like a christmas tree so I said, are you able to go back and forth? And it lit up. So um, it was interesting. But again, I'm not big on the K2. Again, yeah. SB7 is my go-to, right. to be honest. So And the recorder. I like the voice recorder. Uh, I find with my particular phone, voice recorders have become so advanced yeah. that uh, I love using the recorder on my phone. And I always say that um the recorder is is outstanding you know so hey victor how are you we have uh victor santiago the host yep. of the don vic show and as i always say every time i see him respect the don respect the don um, and don will be on through the lens on sunday at 4 30. definitely want to check that out um yep. also uh facebook user is anna brandemark the host of paraphobia radio Oh, okay. Um, 
So you'll be able to check her out on Parapost Network Central as well. Uh, she just had her first show with uh, Adam Began from Historically Haunted. It was a great show. Yeah, watched, we had a great time. Yeah, I watched some of that show last night. Yep. It was good. I'm always getting, you know, it's funny with uh, Adam, I'm always getting invites, invites, invites to all these different mm -hmm. pages. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and there's I mean, usually two or three of them up uh, in my notifications. Yeah, he definitely, you know, um, a big, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to say like, you know, a pusher or a promoter, but I mean, he's definitely very adamant about getting people, you know, trying to help get people out there. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, much yeah. like Parapol. Yeah. That's, uh, and I, uh, from what I understand, he's very good for that. I don't really know him that well. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, he has, uh, some connections uh, with certain celebrities that uh, is helping him learn how to be, you know, more effective and be more professional with what he's doing. And I, I certainly hope that uh, he's able to take it to the next level and help a lot of people in the field uh, yeah. go to the next level as well. Yeah. Again, I don't know him very well, so I know we're friends on Facebook, but again, I don't yeah. know him very well. So. Yeah. Well reach out to him and get him on your show because the conversation with him, you'll find out a lot. <laughs> okay. That's a, that's actually probably a pretty good idea there. You know what? I'll be honest. There's so many people that you can have on your show. It's, it's really hard to narrow oh, yeah. them down. You know, it's just, I know some people have reached out to me and asked if they can be on my show and I brought them on the show and, and stuff like that, but it's hard, you know, and, and to be honest, the show is not the same without Lex. Yeah. To be honest, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping um, once everything straightens out and uh, what's going on in his family, hopefully he will come back. So, right, I always thought of him as kind of like your own personal Jack Osborne. I mean, he just kind of had that look. He kind of came up, you know, the accent, the beard, uh, yeah. the way he talked about the paranormal. It's just so reminiscent of Jack Osborne when he was doing the um, uh, Haunted Highway. I never watched this show, so I don't know. That was an interesting show. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, you know. What, well, it's so funny because from the time when I first met Lex to to today, there's been a drastic change. He was very, he was very, he was very clean cut. Very clean cut mm -hmm. uh, when I first met him. And he, I won't say he was nervous, but he was very. He was very, um, I don't want to say he was an introvert, but somewhere in between there. And yeah, kind of timid. And, yeah, maybe timid would be a good word for it. But um, just see him opening up over over the two years that we did, even through the lens, was incredible. Was really, really incredible. Even his videos have had drastically changed over time, too. Like from the very first, and yet I don't know if you know the story of how me and Lex met, but no, me and Lex, me and Lex were following each other on Twitter, and he wrote a he wrote a comment on Twitter talking about he's releasing his first video and he's very nervous about it, very nervous about it. So I reached right. out to him, and we talked. We talked for about a good hour, and. Just me encouraging him, don't worry about what anybody else says. Just put up your video. If you like your video, that's all that matters. And I made him feel a lot better about it. And we had a 
really, really good talk. And uh, he put up his video. It did well. And that's how we became friends. Right. That's how it started. And then four months later, we're doing a po uh, podcast together. Right. Yeah. Well, and and, and uh, we have Liz Milner, our paranormal sister from across the pond. Uh, she is saying hi to everybody. Um, she is with our best friend, Paranormal. So don't be, don't be shy and check her out as well. Um, but you know, that's the kind of thing, you know, I like about the idea with, uh, Parapost Network is being able to find people. I mean, you never know who you're going to find out there. There may be people out there that you will connect with on such a level mm. that could completely change the dynamic of how your investigation go. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And and uh i've met uh i've met a lot of really good people over the last three and a half years since i started hauntophobia almost right. four years it'll be four actually it'll be four years in it'll be four years in march since i started hauntophobia so i've met a lot of i met a lot of fantastic people for sure so what was what was the very first investigation you did for Hunterphobia, where I mean, like your first uh, fully produced video, what was the location you were at? Um, we actually did two locations uh, that okay. night. Uh, we did uh, the Blue Ghost Tunnel, and we did the the Streaming Tunnel. Uh, I wanted to do, and the only reason why we did Blue Ghost Tunnel was because we were filming. We we went to film Streaming Tunnel, and we were just filming that. And actually, uh, the streaming tunnel is a very, very popular, popular tour spot for a lot of people mm -hmm. that are interested in the paranormal and interested in the, you know, the 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 stories about uh, the streaming tunnel. Right. Uh, so we were starting to film and two people came along and they told, well, actually, we weren't filming yet. It was about an hour and a half because we got there quite early and it was still light outside. So these people came along and they were telling us about Blue Ghost Tunnel. So, and it was literally a 10 minute drive. So okay. we decided since we were there so early and it was still really light outside, uh, we decided to go over the blue ghost tunnel. And, uh, so then we started filming and I had, I had two camera people with me and one of the camera people, he was a professional camera person. He happened to be my son's, one of my son's good friends. Okay. Uh, so he ended up, uh, filming he ended up editing the video as well. Uh, he was phenomenal at editing, really, really good at editing. Uh, we definitely had our differences when it came to editing and things <laughs> that uh, we should be shown. Um, he wasn't big on the captions either. He would, he, his thought was he wants people to hear it on their own and make a comment about it. Right. And then not every caption or every EVP or everything that was captured should be displayed up on the screen. People should right. be able to see it and hear it. And if they do, they'll make a comment. Um, right. I had a difference. I had a different. I had my my opinion was different. Um, <laughs> and the reason is was because it was going to be officially the first video of Hauntophobia. And okay. And I wanted, I wanted everything to be shown to show what we captured. 
And I wanted people to be amazed because sometimes, sometimes people miss those things. Right. And Mm. um, if they saw that it was captured, then they can go back and listen to it and make sure it was a valid capture. And so we definitely had, we definitely had different opinions about things. Um, (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) But uh, all in all, his editing, his editing was fantastic. And that's what I really, really liked. And you know what, to be honest, like when I'm editing videos, I find it really, really difficult from a four hour, from a four hour, like if you have four hours of footage, cutting it down to 25 minutes or 30 minutes, that's difficult. And I don't think people realize how difficult that is Uh, because there's going to be some things in there that you're not going to be able to put in that you want to put in. But if you do that, then your video is going to end up being an hour, an hour and a half long. Right. You know, and people get, as we know, Aaron, people tend to get bored very easily mm-hmm. um, when they're watching videos. And it's just, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a reality. And, you know, it's like sitting in front of the TV. You, you use your controller and flip through all the channels. You stay on yeah. one, you stay there five minutes, you go to something else. Mm-hmm. It's just reality. And so, but that was, yeah, that was my very first, the very first investigation for Huntophobia is the very first video that went up on YouTube. Right. Yeah. So. You know, and uh, we have uh, Kimmy Corpse here. Uh, thanks for stopping by. She worked Hi, with Kimmy. Donna. Yeah. On uh, Echo they, have the they have a great show. I watched their show last night too. And uh, it was good. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, I've always wondered when it comes to, you know, trying to cut down video the other issue that i've noticed with a lot of people is i wonder if they really understand just how many times you have to rock the same clip over and over just to make sure you actually got something you know um go ahead sorry can you repeat that because i cut it yeah Yeah, no problem. Uh, But I wonder if the other thing I wonder about people is how much time, if they really understand it, how many times you watch some clip over and over because you're not quite sure, Mm. you know, and then you got to, you know, you got to make them adjustment to either make it brighter or, you know, highlight things. I mean, this isn't just like, you know, making a TikTok video. I mean, you actually have to really research, I mean, look at your evidence hard. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a lot like what Matt does, um, and I know Matt brought this up recently. Matt goes through his video three times before mm-hmm. even touching anything, and that's generally what I do. Um, and then uh, before, and then once I put it into the editing software, what I'll do is I'll go through it another couple times, and if there's certain spots that I want to really listen to, I'll flag them. Right. And when I'm going through my editing. Uh, so yeah. So, you know, when I go through my editing after I flag them, I really go through it another few times um, to make sure I've gotten everything. Um, and then I start cutting, but again, that's where I would rather put up the whole four hour video than cut anything. Yeah. To be honest. And it's difficult. It's really difficult. And then especially doing that for Paraflix. 
You know, yeah. like you can't have an hour and a half, two hour video up on Paraflex. You just can't. And right. so you got to bring it down to 20, 20. Generally, my my videos on Paraflex are anywhere from 22 minutes to 25 minutes. Right. So um, but again, like I'm doing the Bobby Mackey's right now. And that was four hours of footage yeah. that I have to go through at least seven times before I even start cutting it because then I'm starting to write down on a piece of paper where I'm going to go, where, what I'm going to cut. And I do all yeah. those things. I'm a paper and pen guy as much as I like the computer and laptop and stuff like that. I <laughs> I'm a paper and pen guy because I write this stuff down or what I'll do is I'll go into my laptop and bring up the notepad and start yeah. writing notes in the notepad, you know, on where I want to concentrate on a lot of my videos and and um you know one thing that um because i did have an editor at one point um his name uh you know he's a great editor and um his name was zach and um his theory was when you're when you're editing a video um and it's a good theory but again it was one of those things that have a difference of opinion <laughs> <laughs> so um you know it's funny when you when you're dealing with real editors it's completely different than me being editing a video it's complete because yeah. they're looking at it as a tv show or as mm -hmm. a movie they're not looking at it as okay well you captured an evp okay well that's great but the whole scene was kind of boring yeah yeah so they're looking at it in a way that it's like a tv show yeah, full-scale production quality. Exactly. And then if there's exciting moments, they'll definitely leave those in. But if there's dead moments, they definitely take those out. Yeah. And so Zach and um, Ace, Ace was my first uh, camera guy and editor. He was the exact same way as Zach was. And there was times where I would go through, after, through the video after they edited because he would send me, he would send me the rough before it actually went out and I'd go through and I go, why did he take out that part? There was a great EVP there. And yeah. I would, and he, his, his thought was, dude, I can't leave in everything. Mm. It, it's going to be a two hour video. Yeah. So yeah, that's the, that's the, that's the shame about it, you know? And, but uh, because there's stuff in a lot of these videos that I still have that have a lot of great evidence that nobody's ever seen. And, right. you know, it's, it's rough. It's tough. Like at the streaming tunnel, I captured a little boy with, uh, he, and it was on camera. It was on the camera microphone. He said a whole sentence, like a literally a whole sentence. I think there was like seven words in the sentence that he was talking about, Nice, but it never went up It never went up. So I still had the clip of it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, well but uh yeah but you know it's tough it's tough so uh yeah thank you charles rudd for coming in and as well as uh uh debbie i appreciate you guys coming in and you know so we kind of uh talked about some of your stuff in the paranormal you know yeah. let's go on to uh parapost i mean okay what gave you the idea uh, okay describe the setting where were you when the idea hit, what were you were, were you on an investigation? Were you going through your evidence? I was what on. Was uh, I was on Facebook. Doing what? 
I was literally on Facebook scrolling through my timeline and I was, I was trying to look for something that had to do with paranormal um, or anything under the umbrella. And it was really, really difficult to find. I would go into the search and I'd write in paranormal and there was, there was 1300 different things about paranormal. Um, And that's not an exaggeration. So the app really started with me thinking, okay, well, we don't really have a platform out there that just deals with everything under the umbrella of the paranormal. And so I was thinking, I wonder if we could create a page that maybe I was just thinking of a website at this point. Um, I wasn't actually thinking about like a social media site type thing. Um, I was thinking about a website. So I called up my buddy. I called up a buddy of mine. His name is Mike. Uh, he's actually, uh, his investigation group is called Charm City Paranormal. And um, he was my original partner with Parapost uh, Network, the app. And right. so he came on board. So I called him up and I said, listen, what do you think of this idea? And he goes, I love it. And he goes, well, uh, what kind of setting do you want to, well, I'm just thinking about a website. He goes, well, why don't we, why don't we turn it into some kind of social media site? And, and then the ideas just started flowing. Now, the unfortunate part about all of that is, you know, when we first started the, the original site was, I, and I'll be honest, it was horrible. The template was horrible. And, (laughs) and uh, it was one of those templates where you'd buy and it would be something like a hundred bucks. Oh, yep. Yep. And then uh, the problem with that type of template is that if you want to switch something, you're not allowed yeah. unless you write the owner of the unless you write the owner of the template. But the problem with that is the owner of the template was a middleman. Mm. So he was actually a broker that was selling the templates. So we couldn't connect with the person that actually made it. So. And finally, we got to a point where we go, okay, well, we can't do anything with this site. And if we want to do something, we got to make an add-on, which costs more money. And and it was just a a headache. And finally, I said to him one day, I said, you know what, dude, if we're going to do this, let's do it right. Let's hire a developer to create um, a product. And that's where Jordan came on board. And uh, I put an ad out. I put an ad out in in a paper. Not online in a paper, believe it or not, and and uh, Jordan responded. We started talking. He had some ideas, and that's where Parapost Network was born. And that was two years ago. Two years ago, uh, uh, we did a soft launch in April, and the actual because we had to build another site, and unfortunately, uh, Jordan had Jordan struggled for about two months taking everything from the old site putting it onto the new site like it was a hassle it was a nightmare like you know about sites it was a nightmare transferring everything over to the new site like i'm talking about the media the posts the users everything it was really really tough so and now we've been building it ever since and it's not going to stop because my actual goal for parapost network is to bring down the site it's going to come down eventually and um we're going to bring up a whole new site um we're going to build a new site from scratch 
and it's going to okay. be coding. It's going to be all those things. It's not going to be like a WordPress like it is now. Right. Um, it's not going to be anything like that. It's going to be its own site. It's going to have its own coding. And um, it's going to be phenomenal. Now, the great thing about that is I'm going to be able to put live streaming on the site. Okay. So um, once that's up and ready to go, um, Global Ghost Hunt, that will be its primary place that it's going to be shown, um, along with probably YouTube. But right. when it comes to Facebook, um, Facebook, uh, as you know, Aaron, Facebook <laughs> has some major issues with the paranormal stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm talking everything about the paranormal. I'm just not talking spirits. I'm talking about cryptids. I'm talking about UFO. UFOs especially. Oh, they yeah. have a real problem with and um and i know people a lot of people probably don't know that but unfortunately it, it is a fact yeah that they have a problem with what we do so but eventually um that site will come down and it'll be a brand new site it's going to be a lot like in between it's going to be in between an x twitter x instagram and facebook okay so it's going to be a mixture of all those different ones and right. uh, again I'm a huge fan of just having an open tab, an open community line, and not necessarily like I would have to friend you in order to see your stuff. Yeah. I like the whole open community concept. So I think mm -hmm. I would keep it like that. But the unfortunate thing about that is um, the long term, if the site were to get like millions, you wouldn't be able to do that because yeah. the timeline would be, <laughs> it'd be crazy you know yeah. well yeah. i can barely so, keep up with the timeline with my friends on my facebook as it is yeah yeah so event so eventually it would have to turn into a friend friend thing mm -hmm. but is there a way to avoid that well that's up to the developers to create right so um i'm yeah. not a developer so i will let them do it now with saying all that it's going to take a hell of a lot of money in order to do it like you sure. know like it's going to take at least six to seven months to build mm -hmm. and that's being generous <laughs> yeah it might take a little bit longer um, because you're talking about trillions and trillions of codes yeah and and uh so but it will eventually get done um but again it's a hell of a lot of money right yeah um yeah, uh, this is uh, AJ Capasso. He is the host of Talking with the Source. Thanks for stopping in. Hey, uh, you can definitely check him out. Yeah, he's got a great show. Um, you know, I, I definitely understand the frustration with the website because when I had a view beyond, you know, I kind of had an idea about building a website for the magazine, and then I launched it. And as the popularity and, you know, the number of people wanting to get a hold of it grew. I had to change the website like every couple of weeks. Yeah. And, you know, getting started cost me 200 bucks. You know, and that was their uh, starting offer. Mine was, first mine year was offer, about 50 times that. <laughs> well, see, you, you're trying to build a networking site. This was just yeah. a site for people to go to and download a uh, PDF file. And the issue was that after the first year, it would go from 200 to almost 400 mm. for the year. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the thing that uh, that bothers me about a lot of these people. Well, why, don't, why don't you just start up a site? 
Uh, mm. You want to throw some cash this way a little bit? Yeah. I always say this. If you, if I knew then what I know now, mm. I probably would have never start, started it, to be honest. Um, I've had We've had so many ups and downs. And the biggest down that we've had over the last even year and a half was the hosting. The hosting yeah. was the major, major issue. And we moved over to a hosting site. And I am going to shout them out. And if you guys are ever thinking about going to this hosting t- company, don't. <laughs> um, first-hand knowledge. Uh, they're called. And this is what puzzles me. They're in the top 10 of best hosting companies throughout more- North America. And hmm. they were the worst hosting company that we ever dealt with, me and Jordan. Jordan, uh, most of the time when something was going wrong with the site, he would call up Bluehost. He would have to do a ticket like everybody else does. He would get yeah. on the phone with them. He was teaching them on what to do because right. they had no idea. And it was just frustrating for him. So we finally got rid of Bluehost after a year. Um, the, I'll tell you this much. Um, the site went down in one month, just one month. 142 times there's now think of this people there's 30 days in a month (laughs) it went down 142 times we had so many problems with this hosting company which unfortunately and i hate to say it um it really hurt the it really hurt parapost it really really hurt the site because when a year and a half, a year ago, a year and a half ago, we were getting almost 30,000 30, monthly viewers on the site. Right. And that was a lot. Um, and now we're down around, because of Bluehost is hurting us, we're down to about seven to 8,000 a month. Mm. So, you know, but again, we're just treading water here. Um, until the actual real site comes up. And I know there's so many people that have reached out to me asking me when the new site's going to be up. Um, I don't think people understand how much it's going to cost me. Uh, And it's going to cost me um, a lot of money. And then on top of that, what people have to think about as well, the maintenance cost per month. Right. And then the the hosting cost per month, because if we're going to have live streaming on the site, that's going to be a lot of money. I'm actually going to I'm not going to be able to go with a hosting company. I'm actually going to have to have my own servers. Yeah. And which those are is not cheap a at all. lot of money. And so for streaming costs, we're probably looking at anywhere from 15,000 and up mm-hmm. per month. So, it's, and that's just it, the start. You know, people keep streaming. Yeah, a lot of it gets stored on a database, and you're yeah. eventually going to have to add more servers. You know, and so yeah, yeah. the cost start growing exponentially. Now the the bonus the bonus thing about that is Jordan. Um, I think he knows the people that own a particular place here in Toronto. They rent out space for servers. So that is definitely going to be an option. Now, the problem with that is, yes, I have servers in Canada, but I'm going to need servers in the States. I'm going to need to have servers in Europe. Like, Mm -hmm. 
Facebook just doesn't have servers here, if servers in the States. They have servers everywhere in the world. So people uh, well, in Australia can get on Facebook. Um, well, but, I mean, if you think about the number, okay, there are yeah. almost 8 billion people on the planet. Yeah. And if you think at least half of them have some sort of social network account, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, uh, X, whatever. So that's 4 billion accounts. You have those 4 billion hitting those servers every single day. I mean, I, can't, I don't even want to try to imagine how many servers Facebook has alone. Yeah, well, they actually have people. a building. They have a whole exactly. floor um, of an office building, just of servers. Um, but, you know, look at Facebook. Facebook has, what, just under a billion users? Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I think, I think Twitter, I think Twitter's around 600 million. Um, yep. Yeah, I think Instagram is between Twitter and, and Facebook. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying that Parapost is ever going to hit those numbers, but at the, at the end of the day, there's a lot of people that are intrigued by the paranormal. Mm -hmm. And if I can get the site right, that it's going to be great for everyone, even the enthusiasts, we could get up to a couple of hundred million easy. Mm -hmm. But we have to have the site to do that. But the maintenance cost, the streaming cost, the and the, then on top of this, and people don't even think of this. I'm gonna have to have 24/7 support. Yeah. And or I'm gonna have to hire a company because that's what <laughs> Facebook does. They just hired yeah. a company that takes yeah. over, takes uh, takes all their the emails and stuff like that. They don't, Facebook doesn't actually do that. It's a company. It does it for them. Yeah. And I'm going to have to hire a company. What do you think the cost of that is going to be per, <laughs> per year? 24 seven. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of money, but um, my vision, my vision for the page is to get to that point. And, right. but it's going to, uh, you know, sponsors, supporters, advertisers, all that's going to be really, really important um, when it comes to the site. For sure. So, yeah. So it's a big goal, but um, I've had bigger and I've done them. So, well, you know, Parapost isn't the only goal you've got going on right now. You've got another yeah. global yeah. ghost hunt. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, global ghost hunt. Um, I, I, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm really surprised about global ghost hunt. To be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't realize the overwhelming response it was going to get and it, right. and it has been, it has been good. Um, we jumped to almost 45% for the second one. Okay. So, you know, it was a great number. It was great numbers and great percentage, like 45% growth is amazing, you know, and Mm -hmm. And from when we started a year and a half ago, it was just a dream. And it's funny, AJ's in the room right now. And he was one of the first people that I went to um, about the idea. And um, I think right after that, I, I spoke to Matt about it. And then I spoke to somebody else about uh, to about it. Or I spoke to somebody else about it as well. Um, AJ said, go for it. Matt said, go for it. Let's do it. And um, that's where it all began. Uh, but Global Ghost Hunt is really, really interesting. 
um, because the whole premise of Global Ghost Hunt was obviously for the teams and locations, but mm -hmm. also it was hopefully somewhere down the road, it was going to help support Parapost as well. Right. And, um, and also, obviously, like, and I've always said this to everybody, all the admin people, I eventually want to bring them on as employees mm -hmm. as well. Um, because I know a lot of these people want to do this full time. And I know Matt would qu quit his job yesterday. And same thing <laughs> with AJ, if he could do this full time. And, right. But what they would have all told them that, it, yes, you will be working on Global GoSend, but you will, will also be working for Parapost Network as well. So they'll be right. doing both. Um, so it's, it's uh, Global GoSend was really just an idea that um, started. Um, and I know there's another event out there like it, but ours is completely different, to be honest. Um, it's nothing like the other event. And I wanted to make sure if I was going to do this, that it was going to be completely different. I didn't want to be one of those people that copied somebody else. And um, so that's how the 10, 10 days came in, the two hours, the two videos, two thumbnails. You know, everything is completely different than the other event. There's a question for you. <laughs> Matt, you know, Matt, you know, if I could hire you, I would hire you yesterday. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I remember um, when you first uh, started work, uh, putting out uh, Global Ghost Hunt. Yeah. The idea was to give uh, exposure for both teams and locations. Yeah. And, uh, uh, not to, you know, uh, devalue the team or anything, but I kind of want to talk about the location sure. because there was one location that did sign up for the Global Ghost Hunt. And, you know, I, I really wish um, Global Ghost Hunt would have been around sooner and yeah. maybe could have helped this person out. Are you going to are you going to talk about Oksana? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, hey, uh, listen, I still remember them. And and uh, I was so disappointed that we weren't able to find them a team. Uh, yeah, because and the same thing with uh, uh, Genesee too, that was unable mm -hmm. to get a team in there. Um, it's so disappointing. It really is because the whole the whole reason why Global Ghost Hunt was starting was the preservation of locations and keeping yeah. these locations open. Um, but unfortunately, unfortunately, we couldn't find a team for them, and it was very very disappointing when I saw. I believe you sent me the message that they were closing. Yes. And it was really, really disappointing. I was, I was really, really upset about that. But again, we had our team leaders trying to find a team for them. And, mm -hmm. and I know at one point, I think they did have a team, but I think that team backed out. Did they not? Uh, gosh, I can't remember. I do know that, uh, they were getting some interest because I actually had them on Spectre Radio last year talking about their location. Oh, okay. And uh, oh, I do they've remember had teamed that. in there I before. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it was, you know, it, unfortunately, it's one of those things that, you know, we try to do our best, but unfortunately, we're not perfect. Right. And um, there's only so much we can do. And But if we reach out to a team, because I know some teams were reached out for that. Um, but 
they they either the it was either a scheduling conflict or they didn't want to pay the entrance fee or you know um it was something along those lines it was i was getting i'm not going to say i was getting excuses but i was definitely getting reasons why they couldn't so yeah uh, uh, we, we and it's upsetting because Genesee has been in it. Um, Genesee has been in it tw once or twice. I think they've been in it twice, but yeah, they've been in it twice. Um, no, it wasn't Genesee. It was the Victorian View that was in it twice. Uh, Genesee uh, was yeah. in. It. Um, yeah. Victorian View did have somebody in May, um, but the only reason they got somebody in May was because one of the admin, one of the admin. Um, people uh minnesota spirit hunters yep. uh, didn't live far from that place so they were able to get the location yeah uh, so but yeah it's 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 really really upsetting that when i see a place close you know there's uh something closed over here recently it was a hotel outside of outside of um outside of the london area if you know london ontario i don't know if you do or not but there was a hotel I've that never been, I've never been there. Yeah, apparently there was a hotel right outside of uh London, Ontario that just recently got knocked down. Um, and apparently it was very, very, very haunted. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, they couldn't keep it open because nobody was going there to investigate. Right. So, well, you know, and that's the thing about you know, with these places that you know I really was hoping um would be a more successful. Uh, part of Global Ghost Hunt, and I'm sure it will be, uh, but this is one of those uh, parts that it gets tough because, you know, most of us, we already spend a lot of money on our gear and fuel. Yeah. And, you know, when you get to these places that are charging, um, I mean, I know some places charge way too much yeah, just for, you know, because they have the whole reputation of being haunted. Yeah. But, you know, when you got these places that are trying to just get money to scrape by and keep the place up, and a part of me is like, you know, you got to help them out mm. because I want to go back to that place another time to investigate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to let you know. I'm going to let you in on a little bit of a secret, if that's okay. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be much of a secret when I say this. I've actually, I've actually discussed this with the admin team. Um, I believe it was in the the May the last the last event in the May meeting or the meeting before the event in May. Um, my long term goal for this uh, for the global ghost hunt is eventually once it gets big enough, then what we're going to do is we are going to actually give money, a donation, to one location per event. Okay. So whether that's 5,000, 10,000, 15,000, 20,000, that's mm -hmm. what we're planning on doing. And that has been mentioned in the, in the meeting, like the last meeting um, in May. And so that is my long-term goal that what we'll do is if a, if a, if a um, location was part of the event and they're struggling, we will give them, we will donate money to them so they can stay open. Right. And not worry about having to worry or sorry, not having to worry about bills for at least six months to a year, you know? So whether that's 10,000, 20,000 or 30,000, um, 
whatever it is, we're going to donate that money to them. One location right. per event. So that's how much um, locations mean to me and the right. preservation of locations. If we're able to um, keep one of one location open, we've done our job, you know? So for sure. Yeah. Yeah, we have. So, and I know, uh, I know now that there were a few locations that were in the May event and are now getting booked because of what people saw in the global ghost hunt. Right. And it's, it's working. It's working. It's, it's going to be a slow process, but it's working. And, and, you know, along with helping these locations, we're helping teams get exposure. So, yeah. Well, you know, when you, when you start talking, kind of goes right into the next part of the question I want to ask, you know, with the team, you know, when you get them to join up for global ghost hunt, um, some of these teams haven't been around for very long. Some of these mm. teams have been around for a long time. Mm. Uh, one thing that I do kind of hope to see in all of that is you get the veteran team that put out the kind of videos to show people, especially the newer ones, you know, what to expect. Not mm. so much as to know a wrong way or a right way, but what to expect as a real investigator. And with the newer team, I'm hoping that they bring that passion with them, that that curiosity when you everybody first gets involved, everybody gets first curious. You know, you just want to jump in the fire and go. Yeah. I kind of want to see a marriage between that those two ideas between the veterans and the the new team. You know, I want to see it's almost like a and it's not a bad idea, you know, it's almost like a mentor. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a mentor, like these these older investigation teams. If I could say that, I don't mean older in age of the, right. the yeah, I mean, like <laughs> the experience um, actually coming on and helping these younger teams. That's a great that's a fantastic idea. Um, if we can somehow get these get these uh, more mature teams, more experienced teams that have been around longer mentoring these younger teams, that would be that would be phenomenal. That would be right. that. You know, that's a fantastic idea, Aaron. Um, I never right. even actually thought about that. Like, I know we had a few teams um, in the October event that are fairly new teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe, and if I'm if I if if I'm wrong, please send me a message saying I'm wrong. Um, I believe Misfits was a fairly new team. Um, I believe Paranormal Exposures is a fairly new team. Um, I don't know if they're new to investigations, but I think they're new as a team. Right. Um, but we had a few of them and we had a few back in May too. Like take a look at Michael Wong um, mm-hmm. who did the brothel. Um, and I'd never heard of this place, the, 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 the Dumas brothel. I'd never heard of this place. Um, he's a fairly new investigator as well. He's still, he's still learning, you know, and it would be great if we can have these more mature teams that have been around for years helping these younger teams i think that's a fantastic idea to be honest right but i also want to you know i also feel like you know the younger team can you know reignite the fire in some of the older investigators you know because i mean we've all hit that point you know we've done this for so long we kind of start to plateau we kind of just we lose that ambition and Mm. when you get a young person that especially the younger one when they get their first evidence 
that look on their face, that kind of reignited the fire for me. Like, okay, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to get back into this. I remember why I got into this myself, mm, mm. you know? Yeah. I'm, I remember my first piece of evidence with hauntophobia and how thrilling that was, how amazing mm -hmm. that was. And I, and you know, it's funny, I do all this stuff for the paranormal and for teams and locations and, you know, just the paranormal in general. And I've kind of lost a little bit of that fire, you know, yeah. to investigate myself, not about everything I'm doing, just investigations myself or even editing videos, because let's be honest. And I think most people know in this room, editing videos takes a very, very <laughs> long time. And yeah. you have to have 16, 17 hours of free time. And I don't have a, that much time. So um, it's hard. Um, and I've lost a little, I've lost a little bit of that fire when it comes to editing videos, to be honest. And, yeah. uh, but I, I, I think it's a great idea. So if we actually had a team come on and we find out they're a fairly new team, we could actually reach out to a team that's maybe in that area that is right. more experienced to join them in their investigation, not right. necessarily being there as investigators, but more as mentors in the back. So they're leading yep. the way in their life with their camera and their life. But then mm -hmm. you have these, veteran investigators that are helping them i think yeah, that's a fantastic idea to coin the idea uh from our local idea man matt baron they could be their <laughs> paranormal consultants yeah exactly that's why he's <laughs> that's yeah I, I like uh there you go ggh mentorship program ideas coming <laughs> <laughs> i think you know what they that's that's a fantastic idea i love it I love it because I think I really think that would bring in more of the veterans too to to yeah. the global ghost hunt. And um yeah, because I finding a lot of these teams that are coming in are, you know, teams that have been around for maybe four, five, six years. Nothing like yeah. 12, 13, 14, 15 years. I well, right. no, that's wrong. That's I shouldn't say that because there are some teams that have come in that have been around that long. So yeah. but not many. So well. And and a lot of times, you know, with some of the teams that's only been around for a while, usually they have one or two people that have been. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with time. that. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. yeah, but still, you know, we got a lot of young people, and I just actually had somebody uh, in my hometown on the Elk River Bulletin Board ask if there's anybody in this town that does paranormal investigations. She wants to learn, and I said, you know what, no problem. I actually got mm. you know some things lined up. Why don't you come with me? show you how to use the equipment, show you how to, you know, I'll show her how to use, use everything that I have and she can yeah. decide for herself if she wants to pursue this. Yeah. But nobody's ever going to learn if, and it kind of goes into the whole pair of unity thing a yeah, little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, nobody's ever going to learn if there are assholes out there that's like, are just so set in their ways or, you know, I'm right, you're wrong. Nobody's going to want to pick that up. If as veterans, we are like, you know what, let's try this. Let's try that. What do you think is happening here? You know, how can we confirm this idea? And on the other side of that, though, I don't want some cocky, jerkwad, Zach Baggins wannabe getting in my face. You no, know, oh, well, you better listen to me, old timer, because I'm going to be the next big shot. You know what? Mm. You know, yeah. And, and my next line, yeah, I do need to put this up. 
Yeah, and I get that. And that see, that's where a lot of the problem one might come in. <laughs> yeah, you might have that yeah. problem. So <laughs> we would really have to, if we were going to go that direction, we would really have to. We, what's that, Matt? <laughs> what is that icon about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this one. Yep. <laughs> you said the same name. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. He, you said Zach. That's why. Yep. So, um, oh, I said it too. Yep. But I meant Zach King, who was my old editor. How about that? So there you go. Yeah. So, but um, yeah. And see, we would really have to sit down with the um, the more experienced um, investigators to make sure that that wouldn't happen. Right. You know, and that would be, that would be difficult because they could tell you one thing and something else happens. You yeah. know, they they're they're going to make you look they're going to make themselves look pretty, but on the outside or behind the scenes they're a completely different story, you know what I mean? So Yeah. And that's you know, the tough thing. So And and not only that, but a lot of time uh you know, somebody will come up with a new piece of gear and it changes everybody's perceptions about certain pieces of evidence or, you know, a certain theory. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sometimes things will pop up in somebody's research, you know, like, oh, crap, th this this did not happen or this happened, but nobody knew. And that's why I feel like, you know, the veterans need to be a little careful with how they approach the young, younger investigators. And the younger investigators need to understand that they are coming into this field with nothing. Mm, yeah. 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 And, and, and I know you're just not talking about equipment. You're also talking about knowledge. Yes. Yeah. 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 I agree. I agree. And, um, it, I, but uh, I'll be honest. I love the, I love the idea because I think, I think that would be a really, really good stepping stone for, um, not only the younger teams, um, but it could re-inspire the older teams. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that help, uh, global ghost hunt. So Absolutely. it's really a three, it's really a three fold kind of type of thing that's mm -hmm. going to help everyone involved. And, um, but there are some, and I will say this, there are some things coming next year. Um, and if it goes through that people are going to be a little surprised about. So yeah. um, there is one big thing. Um, hope I'll find out in January. If it happens, it's going to take global ghost hunt uh, to where I didn't think it was ever going to go. So um, it's definitely something to look forward to. Me and Matt right. have spoken about it before on lives. Um, it is so big. People are going to be really, really surprised. And it's really, really going to inspire people to sign up. And, and if it happens, and I'm crossing, I'm crossing everything I could possibly cross, um, <laughs> if it happens, it's going to be a game changer for Global Ghost Hunt. Right. And it's 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 going to be and I'm going to be a little bit biased here. Um, and I think the admin team agrees because they all know what it is. Um, I'm going to be like I said, I'm going to be a little bit biased. But Global Ghost Hunt will be the biggest event um, of the year if this goes through. So um, people are going to be jumping on board left, right and center. And and um it is it is really really big. I, that's all I can say. I'm sorry if I can't I can't say any more, <laughs> because if it doesn't happen, then you know, 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> Poo on your face. You know what I mean? So, um, but if it does, it's going to be a complete game changer for the global ghost hunt. So for sure. But I will say, I want to say one thing. I want to say one thing, your investigation. And I know you helped out, uh, uh, Lisa. Um, uh, yeah. but I will say that, uh, you guys had some of the biggest numbers on Facebook, uh, for your investigation. Well, yeah, I uh, just want to shout that out there. So I'm hoping, because I don't know if people know, Aaron is back with uh, the Global Ghost Hunt. He's going to be helping with the uh, the website. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be helping design the website. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna do a few more changes with the web the website, as people know. Um, so obviously, Aaron will have um, he will be he will be um, hopefully investigating doing his location. Uh, next year and i'm looking yeah. forward to seeing that so um, yeah you I mean, had some big numbers and i think most of those i'm not taking anything away from lisa i'm not i'm not at all but i think um you were part of the main reason why the numbers were big well if that and case, i told you that. i certainly appreciate that yeah um but you know yeah i mean i i do have plan to be uh, uh involved with the global ghost hunt um my only issue is getting the right people together because, you know, like, like we, you know, I had mentioned before, you know, uh, working with a younger team or, you know, yeah. younger investigator, uh, the other issue I have is I need to know that the people I'm going to do these investigations with, even if you're a skeptic, I need them, everybody to be open-minded about everything mm. because this is something that can, you know, like you said, it could change the whole field. People can start to see what really happened, what really, you know, what to expect, um, the reality of what we do. Sometimes you get stuff, sometimes you don't. Yeah. Oh, well, of course, of course. And, yeah. you know, when yeah. I, when I helped Lisa on the October, uh, go hunt, yeah. uh, that was the quietest that location has ever been. Because I have videos on my YouTube channel where, holy shit, there, there are things everywhere. Mm, interesting. Um, so I don't know if I'm going to go back to that location. I do have other ones yeah. that are definitely uh, make the hair stand up on end. You, you know what? And I, I don't think this is said enough um, about the Global Ghost Hunt. I would be completely cool, okay with, if somebody signed up because they were doing an investigation on, on uh, cryptics. Mm-hmm. If yeah, they went absolutely. into the woods and were doing looking for Bigfoot, I would be so cool with that. That would be awesome. If somebody signed up because they, they, they know a great spot for UFO sightings, I would be so cool with that as well. You know, I just don't sure. want people to, to think. All right, we'll give it a second. Brian seemed to have froze up. Uh, I don't know why that happens. Um, Okay. Yeah. yeah. uh, You'd be so cool if if people knew of a place that had UFOs. Yeah. That's kind of where you started to break up. Yeah, I would be so cool if people signed up because they they know a great spot where there's a lot of sightings of UFOs. I just don't Mm -hmm. want people to think this is just about spirits searching for spirits so you know in the next year or so you know um maybe we'll put that on the site that if you're into cryptics Mm -hmm. there's no reason for you not to sign up 
because that's what you do. You know, right. all this stuff is under the paranormal umbrella. Absolutely. You know, so why not have somebody who searches for Bigfoot? I'm I'm positive, uh, Joe, that's on Parapost Network, who he's he that's his thing, Bigfoot. Um, mm -hmm. if he signed up because he knows a great spot where Bigfoot is. Yeah. I'd be cool with that. That would be for incredible, sure. you know, and you know, because I don't think that is, you know, I, I understand that people are skeptical on the Bigfoot thing and stuff like that, but there's people out there that are very, very passionate about it. So mm -hmm. why not bring them on board? Yeah, for sure. You know, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. You know, and I did mention that on the, uh, uh, the Carlos Avery video that that location did have its own cryptid, but it's extremely rare. Um, as far as I know, no one's actually been able to document it. Yeah. I was so hoping I would have been able to see that there. Yeah, the only yeah. doubt, the, and if I can be honest, and, and please, I'm just being honest. If I could be a little bit honest about your video, I, the only thing I wish there was a little more of, light. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and like I said, you know, that was one of those places, you know, uh, thing kind of didn't pan out the way that yeah. uh, they were supposed to. Yeah. And that was the best I could do on literally a last second. Oh, I, I uh, hey, listen, I get it. I get it. Um, but, you know, but, uh, hey, listen, like I said, your numbers were some of the biz biggest numbers on Facebook. So good well, on you. Good on you. Yeah. Like I said, I, you know, to everybody that helped make that happen, I certainly appreciate that. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, good. Let's see if we can do that for everybody. What's that? Let's see if we can get everybody to have high numbers like that. Well, that's what that's what we're after, right? So mm -hmm. that's what uh, that's what the long term goal is. Um, you know, and this uh, particular person that hopefully is coming on in January. That's part of this big surprise. That if it happens, um, he's a viewership guy. <laughs> He's a viewership guy, so he's going to bring in the viewers. Okay. And and that is the main thing, is the viewership. Yes, the locations are important. Yes, the teams are important. But you still need the viewers. Yeah. And viewers are just as important. So, Well, we are uh, over an hour, and uh, my fat ass needs to get some dinner. Uh, <laughs> what time are you're an hour behind me right yeah yeah, yeah i okay. mean normally i would wait till my wife gets home and we would you know have dinner and watch that 70s show but uh oh, friday night funny. i that's heard funny. late night that's funny that 70s yeah. show that's great you know i've never i never really i've seen little bits and pieces and never ever actually watched that show but it's very disappointing to see what happened to that guy that was part of that show who's now in jail uh, yeah, Danny Masterson, yeah yeah what, how many years did he get 30 Something like that, yeah. It, yeah, that's that's awfully disappointing, you know. Uh, there is one show at that uh, at the Canadian show that I just, or there's two of them. Okay. Uh, they, I love these so much. One is Kids in the Hall. I cannot get enough Holy of Kids crap, in the Hall. That's an old show. Yeah, that's an old and show. Yeah. Corner Gas. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's uh, what's his name? What's the lead character guy? Um, he's a comedian, actually. Yeah. Uh, Oh, I can't remember his name now, but he's he's got he's one of those guys that has a dry sense of humor. Mm -hmm. It's it's very, very dry. And if you don't get that kind of sense of humor, you won't find him funny. But yeah. uh no corner, corner gas was a huge show here in here in Canada. It was a very, very popular show. I personally I never watched it, but um the another big show that was um with Eugene Levy 
that was a real big show. Um, it just ended a few years ago. I, have to look I can't for remember that. his name now, but um, uh, what was it called? I can't remember its name, but anyways, that was a huge show. And from what I understand, it's starting to get big in the States. Um, and Probably. it's really big here in Canada. So, yeah. Well, you know, Big Bang Theory started in Canada. Did it really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah, know Big that. Bang Theory was supposed to be a Canadian broadcast, and the girl that played Penny was yeah. not even the first choice. The first Penny was actually uh, <laughs> a much more crass uh, party girl. Okay. And Sheldon was supposed to be a creepy pervert on top of being a genius. Okay. So who do you know who the original cast member was supposed to be for Penny? Oh, I don't remember her name. But uh I'm gonna look that up. I'm gonna look the, I'm gonna look that up and see who it was. Yeah. The guys who played uh Sheldon and Hofstetter were the same one. They were you know, they were yeah. gonna be there for the uh, Canadian production, but yeah. Oh, Big Bang Theory is better in that. Canada. That's yeah. interesting. Wow, that's 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 some interesting knowledge right there. Huh. Yep. Well, you know, it's funny because when I first got into acting in my 20s, because I was in I was in I was doing acting in my 20s and then I left the industry and I only right. came back within the last four years. And you know what? I, I would say timing and acting is accurate because I've done a lot more now than I did in my 20s. Right. And and the shows and stuff like that are obviously better now than they were when i was in my 20s to be honest so um like uh i i i was i had a guest appearance on um remember uh david uh, david carradine uh the grasshopper um he had a show out here in canada and it was basically the same premise of his of his kung fu i think it was Mm -hmm. uh it was called kung fu legend continues here I remember Canada. reading it. They wanted to, they wanted to do a reboot of that in America too, but yeah. it never so, went through. I was on that show. I got to meet David Carradine and um a really um he was very he was a very, very interesting person. Very, oh, yeah. very quiet, very, very quiet, but he was a huge chain smoker. Chain yeah. smoker galore. And this is when you could smoke on the set. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, you can't smoke on the set anymore, but yeah. <laughs> um, you can smoke on the set. So I got to meet him. Um, but uh, I forget my whole point on why I brought that up. But um, the uh, the TV's a lot different now than it was. Oh, I know why I brought it up is because um, there was uh, I was up for a role for a TV soap. Ah, uh, okay. A daytime, or as they call it, a daytime drama. Yeah. And um I was it was a it was a uh soap called um here it was called it started here it was called Family Passions. Okay. And I was up for a role by the name of Dylan. And I went like to nine auditions for this role and I mean, that um, sounds I like did, a soap opera name too, Dylan. It is. It, it was a soap. It was a soap opera name. Yeah, for sure. And 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 that's what it was. It was a soap opera, right? So mm. I got the part. His name was Dylan. Um, and this is when I turned to my agent. I said to my agent, "Okay, this is my shot. This is my in. I'm finally gonna get to where I want to be. So don't mm. ask for a lot of money in the contract." What do you think my agent did? <laughs> <laughs> my agent did the complete opposite of what I asked her to do. 
and um, I ended up losing the part. Uh, they went with the other person that I was up against um, because his agent didn't ask for money. Mm. <laughs> so, um, so I ended up leaving the industry, and then I got back into it four years ago uh, when I moved to Toronto, and um, it's it's been a blessing. I I always say timing is very very important in this industry, and it's true right. because when I was doing back then. I'm not doing now. The why I'm like when I was doing back then, I wasn't doing much. I was doing some, but not a lot. But now it's completely different. Like even in the last couple of years, I've done 16 TV shows. You okay, know, I, so I have to say that the funniest, yeah. my favorite story about you and your acting career okay. is when you got turned down because you were too good looking for the Mad Jack uh. part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that uh that uh yeah that uh, that blew me away um i was up for a role last year um it was for a movie and uh and it's it's funny because since covid hit mm -hmm. um because when we, we used to get auditions we'd go to the casting house to audition but when covid right. hit we ended up doing self-tapes at home so it hasn't changed uh, I guess casting directors realized that they were going to be saving themselves a lot of money. And uh, so we're doing it's self tapes now all the time. Um, right. So I was up for a role uh, for, um, for, I believe it was, yeah, it was a detective and, but he was a grungy detective. He was like right. a trailer park detective. And <laughs> um, so I had the, I, trailer sent park boy. Tape. <laughs> I got a second, I got a call back for it. And, and so I ended up meeting with the director of the movie. He was the one auditioning me for my, my callback and right. um, everything was great. Everything was great. And he loved it. Everything was great. Nothing was wrong with it. Anyways, it wasn't until, and actually, sorry, this was two years ago. It wasn't a year ago. It was two years ago. So last year, um, what was it? Okay, so it wasn't two years ago. It was the beginning or the end of the beginning of last year. That's when okay. I did the audition. So it was literally a couple of months later when it was be filmed. Um, my agent daughter got a part in that movie. So she ended up uh she ended up uh because she's young, she has to be on set with her daughter, right? Mm -hmm. Um for obvious for obvious reasons. Right. So Apparently, the guy that took my role, um, my agent said I look nothing like him. And the funny thing is, he ended up getting fired on the day that he was there. And um, I don't know what he did, but he did something. Um, but complete opposite of me. So my agent actually went to the director and she goes, well, do you remember Brian, Brian John, that you audition for that audition for this do you want to call him to come on set to take his role and the director literally said i loved brian but he was too good looking for this role <laughs> usually it's the my... other way around yeah you're not good looking enough you know what's that sorry usually it's the other way around you know people don't get the role because they didn't have you know the good look but and to be turned down because you're too good yeah. looking. 
my agent called me the next day after it happened and she goes you are not going to believe what happened and she told me that story and it was like oh my god i had never ever heard of that before because let's be honest and you know this aaron and i'm sure most people know this but this is a very very um a very very outside looking um business yeah looks mean everything Mm -hmm. And it's not always about your acting. It's about your looks on, yeah. because how, like when I was in my twenties, I did a little, and people are going to be surprised, but I did a little bit of modeling when I was in my twenties as well. And mm -hmm. I got turned down for jobs because my eyebrows were too thick, you know? So, you know, it's like, it's yeah. a very vain. This is a good word for it. It's a very, very vain business. It is, and um, to hear that um, blew me away. Um, I laughed a lot because I don't look at me that way, or I don't look at myself that way at all. And right, and uh, yeah, so that was one of those moments where you go, "Really? That's why." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. But I'm glad you brought that up because it is a funny story. It really, really is a funny story. So. Well, yeah, I think I am going to end the show here. And uh, uh, like I said, you know, uh, all the links that you want to check out, Hunterphobia, Parapost Network, Global Ghost Hunt, they're all in the description down below. And if you want to get signed up with Parapost, get on, to, uh, whether it be Google Play or the Apple App Store, it's available for both platforms. Get that free. app. It's free. Yeah, it's free. Sign up and start networking today um anything else you want to add to that brian no that's it man that's it we've done a lot of talking yeah we certainly did <laughs> all right well i will put you in the back room real quick and i'll uh, close this out thank and i'll talk you. in just a minute thanks everybody all right well there you have it that is brian john laverty and uh he is as i mentioned before the the mind behind hunterphobia parapose and global ghost hunt so check these links out i can't say it enough if you like vector radio if you like this show share it out get involved with the group tell if you have recommendation for guests that you'd like to see me have on the show you can reach out to me there and uh you know as i always say when it comes to the paranormal field uh be smart be safe and as always stay spooky <laughs>